listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. do it too. You can do it too. Man, I love our summer series, the best summer ever. And I pray that you are having the best summer ever. And if you're not, then today can begin your best summer ever. Because we just want to see God move in each and every one of your lives. And, and I just want to really talk today about guarding your life. Guarding your life. But here's how we're going to address that. In your time management, looking at the management of the time that you have. We only have 24 hours a day and we've got to guard that time because what? We can never get it back and we've got to be so careful because let's be honest, most of us are living at a pace that is not only unsustainable, it's totally unbiblical. And I'm preaching to myself. I want you to know that today as much as every one of you. Look at the scripture. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says this. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Let me say that again. By His divine power. By the power of God. The power that spoke and the world was created. That's power. By that power, God has given you, He has given me everything that we could need to be able to live a godly life. Well, if only I had this, if only I had that. God said we have been given everything that we need to live that life. And that includes time. God has given us enough time to be able to live the life that He wants us to live. Look at this statement. God has given you enough time to do everything He wants you to do. Whether we believe that or not, it's the truth. God has given you enough time. Yet we get so caught up in the rat race. Come on, we're adding more sports. We're adding more activities. We're adding more music lessons. Come on, we can add a little bit of dance, maybe some cheer to that. I'm going to start going to the gym. Oh yeah, and then there's church. More, more, more we seem to be adding to our schedule. Why? Because that's the normal. That's what everyone else is doing. That's the current state of the culture that we live in today. And you've probably heard people say it. Well, everyone's doing it. So it has to be right. Hey, when's the last time you heard someone say these words? I have nothing to do. But I'm sure you've heard someone say, I don't have enough time. I'm exhausted. I'm wore out. Come on, anyone with me on that? 
And why is that? It's not good. Come on, say with me, weird. I say it like this, weird. Say say it like I do, weird. Weird. Remember last Sunday we were preaching on the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you're still seeking the greatest gift and promise outside of salvation that God has for His church. But we were talking last week in regards to to the Holy Spirit that we don't want you to be weird. We don't want you to be crazy. We all know that crazy person who just acts out of control and they blame it on the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's flesh. That, that's them because the Spirit of God wants to make you relevant, remember, and touch a life. So last week we told you not to be weird, but to this week I'm going to tell you to be weird. Be weird. Well, why is that, Pastor? Are you kind of contradicting yourself? No, because I'm going to tell you how to be weird the right way. How you need to be God's way. There's a great book out there by Greg Crochelle called Weird. And the opening part of his book says this, and listen, it says, Normal people are stressed. They are overwhelmed and they are exhausted. Many of their relationships are at best strained and in most cases just barely surviving. Even though we live in one of the most prosperous places on the face of the earth, Normal is still living paycheck to paycheck and seeming to never get ahead. In our oversexed world, lust, premarital sex, guilt and shame are far more common than purity, virginity and a healthy married sex life. And when it comes to God, the majority say they believe in Him But the teachings of Scripture rarely make it into their everyday lives. Simply put, normal isn't working. Normal, everyone else is doing it, isn't working anymore. And in fact, it's badly broke. And that's why Jesus came. When Jesus came to this world... They labeled him as weird. They looked at him like he was crazy because his teachings, what he did, his involvements, his relationships was totally opposed almost to everything they thought it should be like. Why should you hang around with sinners? They're sinful. Stay away and be holy is what they taught. But Jesus came and he hung out with those who were sick because he said it's not the well that need a doctor. He's weird. He's crazy. He's not of God, they said. He's of the devil. Obviously, why? Because his teachings are so contrary to what we see around us every day. But what did Jesus come to do? He came to present a weird life, a life of blessing, a life of peace, a life of comfort, because the life that he modeled to every one of us is a life that works. And it doesn't just work for today. It's a life that will work for eternity. Because He came to help us to have a better home life. But He came also to help us have an eternal life too. And He ran the risk of being labeled weird. So He could give to you everything that you need. John 10 verse 10 tells us what? The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come... That you may have what? Life. 
Life, life. His mission was life. His mission is life. And not just that you would have a mere existence, that you would struggle through life, but God said, I want to give you an abundance of life, a surplus of life. And yes, he's talking spiritually there. He's talking about eternity. But I believe that God is also talking about our everyday living. That he died that we could live free. That he died that we could have comfort in our homes and peace in our homes. He died that we could see healing and strength and blessing. But yet we are exhausted and stretched and what? Busy to the max. So what do we know about time? We know a lot of things about time, but perhaps these are the three most important things or the most common things we know about time. Number one, time waits for no one. We all know that, okay? What else do we know about time? You can't stop time. No matter what you try to do, you can't stop it. Here's what else we know about time. You can't turn back the clock. You cannot turn back time. There's other things that we know about time, but they're the most probably common ones that we know. But I tell you what we can do. We can sure learn to manage our time that's been given to us a whole lot better. And we can create space for the things that really matter. If you were to interview people on their deathbed, there's very few that would say, I wished I had done more things. I wished I had done this and done that. Most would turn around and say, I wished I hadn't done all those things and I had spent my time on the things that really mattered the most. I wished I had prioritized my family more than my job. I wished I had taken care of those closer to me than trying to gain the success and fame of the entire world. I love this saying. Look at this saying. It says this. It says, if the devil can't make us really bad, then he'll try to make us really busy. Pretty powerful right there. For most of you, he failed with the bad because you turned good when you gave your life to Jesus. You were bad at one time. But now that bad, those things don't attack you. They don't have the same effect on you anymore. So he just goes to plan B. And plan B can be probably more effective than plan A. Because if he can't make you bad, he'll just make you really busy. And he'll consume your time and your energies. And in doing so, the majority of us then miss God's blessings because we're so busy to notice them. When's the last time you stopped and thanked God for the miracles he's provided in your life and the answers to prayer? But most of you haven't even realized he answered the prayer because you're so busy on the next need. And we're so consumed with everything that's going on around us. And I want to look at two sisters today that give us a comparison on time or a difference on time that we can see in Mary and Martha. How did they spend their time? And this is where the title of our message came from. They have the same opportunity. Every one of us today has the same opportunity. The same opportunity. Look what Luke chapter 10 38 and 40 says this. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40, but Martha was what? Distracted 
with much serving. And she approached Jesus and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Therefore, tell her to help me. The same opportunity. Jesus is in their house. But two responded in very different ways. The indication is this, if we would read, that Martha started in the right place. Because the Bible says in verse 39, it says, And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus. Meaning what? She wasn't the only one. Someone else was there. But then we see that Mary gets distracted. She gets distracted and leaves that place of importance for that which becomes more urgent in her life. And I want to give you some points from this story and just to try and help you in life today. Okay, number one, what would you do if Jesus was coming to your house? Come on, what would you do if Jesus was coming over to your house? Mary probably had other things that she needed to do, just like the rest of us. Mary probably had laundry still to be done and folded and put away. She probably had groceries that she had a list on the fridge that she needed to pick up, and today she was planning to do that. She maybe had some cleaning that she had scheduled to finish, but she chose to create a moment instead. Mary said, I'm going to seize the moment and I'm going to simply enjoy being with Jesus while I can. It was a deliberate choice. It has to be a deliberate choice. That's my word for this year is intentional. We've got to be intentional because we can have good intentions and never do anything. We've got to have the intentions and follow them through. We've got to be deliberate because if we're not deliberate about our time, our time will be taken from us and we'll become distracted. We'll be removed from where we need to be and taken. Mary was deliberate in her choice. She wasn't being lazy. She wasn't being irresponsible. She just made a decision at that moment of what mattered the most. Then there was Martha. Here's Martha. She's preoccupied. She's distracted. She's running here, there. She's cooking. She's preparing. She's being busy, being busy. And what does she do? She gets mad at Mary, others. Well, how come you're not helping? What's the problem? Here's a question I want to ask you today. Are you ready? When was the last time you stopped long enough to embrace a matters the most moment? When's the last time you stop just to seize a moment that really matters the most? Instead of just being pulled here, there, and having everyone else making the decisions for you. Do you notice your life now? You, very, you many times have very few decisions that you make that everyone seems to make the decisions for you. You're going to meet me here. You're going to pick me up here. You're going to do this. I need you to stay extra. I need very... Many times in our life, if we don't watch, everyone else can be make the decisions for our life. And we've got to take back that. Create that moment. Embrace that what matters the most moment 
and seize it in your life. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was going to a pastor's breakfast. I go the second Wednesday of every month. And I was getting ready to leave the house and Judah had just woken up and Judah said to me, Daddy, come and play Play-Doh with me. That's his big thing. Daddy, come and play Play-Doh with me. And I said to Judah, son, I can't, buddy. I'm on my way to a meeting. I'm going to be late if I sit down and play with you. And it just hit me. I thought, you know what? Those pastors probably won't even notice if I'm not there. If I show up a few minutes late, they're not waiting on me to start the meeting. They're eating breakfast. There's time before. And I went in his room and I sat down and I played with him. Just even for a moment. But I gave him quality time. You know what hit me when I sat down with him? And I'm going to try and say this without crying. He won't always ask me to play with him. You know what it's like? Your kids are old. You wish they would say, Daddy, come and play play Play-Doh. Mommy, can we play dolls? Can we sit down and play? Can we do these things? And I thought to myself, one day he'll be grown up and I can miss the moment. I can miss the moment. I remember my kids, it was, I believe, Brittany. She came home from school one day, I think it was like kindergarten, and she had a piece of paper with two handprints on the piece of paper. And written under that piece of paper was a little story that, kind of went something like this. Right now, my handprints to you may be annoying. As you see them all over the windows. You see them all over the doors. But one day, you're going to long to see my handprints. And I'm going to be grown. And I'm going to be gone. If you have children, you know what I'm talking about. But let's be honest. It's so easy to let moments that really matter pass us by because we're overwhelmed by everything else that's clamoring for our attention and time. Jesus was in her house. Jesus was in her house and Martha missed it. Can I tell you something today? Don't miss what's in your house. Don't miss what's in your house. Your family, your spouse. Don't miss what's in your house. I've said this so many times. I believe you should be the hardest working people and the greatest employees there are. But don't bankrupt, don't bankrupt yourself out of your home that by the time you come back, you have nothing left to give. Point number two, it's not bad things. It's not bad things. What's distracting Martha are not bad things. They really aren't. It's not like she's been tempted by evil sin and that she's really this bad, awful, awful person. She's trying to prepare a meal. She's trying to take care of her guests. 
But you see, we've got to be very careful because here's what we've got to understand. Just because it's not bad doesn't make it or mean it's automatically good. Because you've got to realize what is good for my life is what's beneficial, what's going to bless, what's going to promote my life. And some things that are not bad are not going to promote my life. Some things that we can say, oh, they're okay. Everyone else is doing them. They're not going to further my life. They're not going to help me. So I've got to be very careful that I don't just identify what's bad and then just think everything else is good. I've got to really have a third common column. I've got to say what's bad, what's good, and what's needed. Come on now. What do I need for my future? What do I need for my life? In fact, you could really even say that her priorities were good and Necessary. This is an important guest that she has around her house. You see, you can always justify it. I said you can always justify why. But listen to this, please, today. What's most important is often not what seems most urgent. Urgency doesn't equal What's most important? So many times we do what's urgent and think that has to be the most important. But it's not always, and in many cases, it's not the most important. As Martha is so locked into her mission, she can't even imagine why everyone else is not doing the same thing. Why is Mary not helping me? Why does she not see the need? Why is she not doing all those kind of things? And what does she turn around and she goes to Jesus and she says this in verse 30 because she accuses him now. And she says, Jesus, don't you even care? I mean, don't you care? Don't you see everything I'm doing? And don't you Care. Sounds like the disciples on the boat. Remember when Jesus told him to go to the other side and there was a storm in the middle and he fell asleep and they woke him up in the middle of the storm and they said to him these words, don't you care? Of course he cared. If the boat went down, he would have drowned too. But you see, what we've got to realize is what we care about is not what he often cares about. Because he wants to care for what's best for your life. Not for what's urgent in your life. Or not what you think needs to be. a. Come on, are you with me today? Is this okay today? I'm just preaching to you from my heart today. Is this okay today? Of course he cares. But he's not governed by the immediate. Like so often we are. And it's funny, really, because look at that verse. Martha was distracted and she came up to him and she said what? Lord, Martha is not even hearing the words or the importance of the words that she's speaking to. Because what is Lord? You are over everything. You're the one. You're the most important thing. She's not even hearing her own message. She's saying you're the Lord, but yet other things have become more important than a confession of her mouth. Oh, we can confess that Jesus is Lord. But what's the actions of our life? Showing for those around. Because we can be convinced the more activity is the right thing to do. I'm just going to be busier. I'm sure Martha said something like this. If only I had just more time. If I had more time, I could do everything and sit at his feet. Have you ever said that? If I could just have more time. You, you, you can't get any more time. I said you can't get any more time. 
Let me show you something. I've used this illustration before, but let me show you something today. That's your 24-hour day. It's like the face of a clock. Sorry if you can't see it today. I'm going to break this clock into five parts. I'm going to put in each part God, family, work, rest, and play. Just simplifying your life right there, okay? So we're simplifying our life into five main categories. We've got God, we've got our family, we've got work, we've got rest, and we've got play. Every one of them are really equally important. Because God wants us to take care of our family, God wants us to work, to provide, God wants us to take care of our bodies, and God wants us to have fun. Do we see that? Each are equally important. But here's the problem that we have is we only have a certain amount of time per day. So if all of a sudden my boss says, I want you to work more, I can't put more into my day. I've still got 24 hours. So what happens is this, I have to start taking from somewhere else And transferring it in. Do you see that? I have to start taking from something else to steal from. And here's a big area we steal from too. Rest. We just think, man, I can pump some Red Bulls. I can get some five-hour energy and I can go. Listen, your body is designed to have the rest and sleep it needs because that's what it needs. That's what it needs. Try and put diesel in your car and see how far you're going to go. It requires gasoline. But we're trying to put stuff inside of us to get more out of us and it's not going to happen. But notice, please, if you would, because I want you to see this and I want you to register. What happens is this. In order to create more time to be busy because we've got to play more because we need more sports, what happens is it takes time away. And if you would notice, the areas that it tends to take away from are the most important. Because you know who usually suffers? God, your family, and you. You. The most important things in your life is not God, your mama, and me. He sings that song. The most important things in your life is God, your family, and your life. Your life. You can't add more. It's not bad because I've got to work. It's not bad because uh, I, I want to do more. It's not bad. But is it good? Here's a third thing. You ready? The wrong definition. The wrong definition. The Mary and Martha dilemma is a challenge for every one of us. Because we've convinced ourselves to believe that the way we live is absolutely necessary and right. After all, our culture has brainwashed us into believing this is the only way that we can live if we want to be successful. Because the definition the world gives to success says something like this, busyness. If you're busy, then you are successful. Because the busy you are means the more successful that you are, the more important you become, and the more significant you are to your boss, to your job. So you 
put yourself in a position where you trap yourself going after success. And we're told by the world that's the right definition. More busy, the busy you are, the more successful you are. Because it's what's happening all around us. But what's our point? It's the wrong definition. That's what we said. It's the wrong definition because this is normal. And remember, normal's broke. Normal ain't working. It's time to be weird. Look at the scripture from Matthew 7, 13 from the New Living Translation. Jesus said these words, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. For the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide. And there are what? Many who choose that way. If we fall to the trap that everyone else is doing it, guess what pathway we're on? We're on the wide pathway. Because if everyone's doing it, that's the pathway. That's where everyone is on because the Bible says it's broad, it's wide. And everyone is on there. They've gone through the wrong gate. Verse 14, but the gateway to life. Remember, Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Come on, I'm trying to help you today. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And he says that gateway is very narrow and the road is difficult and there's only a few that find it. So if we find ourselves doing something different to everyone else, Oh, it may feel hard because it's going against the culture and the flow of what we see around us. But I'm here to tell you today, that's a good thing and not a bad thing because that's a God thing. Everyone else doesn't make it right. In fact, I believe this. If everyone else is doing it as a child of God, you just don't. There's your answer right there. It's a good indicator right there. Well, I don't know because everyone else is doing it. Answer right there. Bam. That's not what you need to be doing in your life because that's the wrong definition of success. Come on. The right definition of success is plain and simply this. Are you ready? Just simply this. Doing what God has called you to do. Doing what God has called you to do. Philippians 4.13 can be a blessing and a curse to us. I said it can be a blessing and a curse. Paul says these words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. But the problem is he didn't say we had to do all things. He says we can do all things, but it becomes a curse to us because we automatically think I'm superhuman now with God's strength. I can do everything I want. That's not what that verse means. What it means is this. You can do everything that God has called you to do? What is a success for your life? What does the success of your life look like? When you stand before God and you go into heaven, what is the success of your life going to be looking like? Can I tell you what my success of life is? Three things. Are you ready? Here's my success of life. Number one, that all my kids are serving God. That's my success of life, that I've taught them to serve God. Second success in life to me is that all my kids are filled with the Holy Spirit because they need the power of God in their life. And the third success in my life is this, that every one of my kids are active tithers and they are sowing into the kingdom of God. Why? Because if they're saved, they're going to be okay. Come on. If they're filled with the Holy Spirit, He's going to give them the strength that they need. And if they're tithing, God says, you built my house, I'm going to take care of yours. There's a blessing that comes. That's success to me. 
You hear people sitting around and talk about their kids have become doctors and lawyers and just all those. That's great. But how's their soul? How's their life? How's that going? Oh, well, they're away from God. You see, we're going to the wrong definition. We've got to come back to the right definition. You said instead of following the herd, it's easy, isn't it? Just to go with the herd, to go with the flow. Maybe we should start questioning the majority rules definition. Back to the story. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with giving Jesus a great meal and making sure everything's in its proper place. It's a good thing, but is it the best thing? You see, here's the third point. Normal is always the enemy, or the fourth point, sorry. Normal is always the enemy of best. Normal is always the enemy of best. Too many good or acceptable things quickly overwhelm the most important things in our life. Romans 12 verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. I said, do not be conformed to this world. The NIV says this, do not conform to the pattern of the world. You see, Paul is showing us how we can counter what we see happening all around us. He's showing us that if we follow Christ, we're not supposed to be like everyone else. We're supposed to do things different. Now we know what the point of sanctification is. Come on. The point of sanctification in our life is to make us more like Christ. Instead of who we are when we are left to our own devices and our own desires. So God doesn't want us to look like the world. God wants us to look like Him. And He gives us the answer. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by Renewing your mind. Changing your life. I love what the Message Bible says. I don't have it up there. But listen, it says, really recognize what He wants from you. And quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. And God wants to develop you into a well-formed, mature person. Come on, normal's the enemy. We've got to change the way we think and see things. Recognize things for what they are. I can't have more time. I've just got to transfer time and I'm taking it from that which is the most important. Here's the fifth thought. The wrong interpretation. We had the wrong definition. Now we've got the wrong interpretation. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, God will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You see, the problem is this. We have misinterpreted that scripture. Because here's how we interpret that scripture. And I know I have too. We say this. God will never give me more than I can handle. That verse doesn't say that. I said that verse doesn't say that. And that's the problem. Because God never said that. We're trying to live something that God never said. And if God never said it, then it cannot ever produce life inside of... Well, God's never going to give me more than I can handle, so I can handle that and I can take this. And I, No, God didn't say that. He said He would not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. 
And God promised this, I'll be your way of escape. Do you see that? Big difference. There's temptations and struggles, but you can overcome those things because I will be your way of escape. But he never said he would give you more than you could handle. Are you ready for weird today? Are you ready? Because normal's broke anyway. Are you ready to be weird today? Come on, say with me, weird. God often gives you more than you can handle. What? Yeah, you heard me right. Let me start that again, just in case you didn't hear me. God often gives you more than you can handle, so you can fully learn to depend on Him rather than on yourself. Come on, to handle it on your own means I don't need God. And too many of us think I can handle it on my own, but God sometimes piles it on for us to realize and say, hold on a second, I'm really screwing up my life. God, I need your help. Help me because I'm drowning really fast. And God allows those things for what? To get us to turn our hearts back to him. It's like the buffet line. Anyone like the buffet line? They've got the new, what's it, Golden Corral over there on Millerville. Some of you probably checked it out. You know, a buffet line is you can take as many plates as you can hold. You could have three plates on that tray if you want, and you can fill them up, and you can go back as as many times as you want. Come on. But the truth is this. You can have it all, but it's not all good for you. (laughs) It's going to put you to the grave, in fact, if you sit there eating three plates of that every day. It's not all good for you. So what have I got to do? I've got to make the right choices with everything. Everything's okay, and I can take everything I want. But I've got to make the right choices in the buffet line of life. What's going to make me healthy? What's going to be? Oh, my interpretation can be wrong because God, I'll take it all and God says I can handle it. No, no, no. You've got to watch. Because just like so often we're tempted to bite off more than we can chew. We've got to remind ourselves. And really, can I just say it this way? I'm reminding myself today. This, this is for me. And I'll just let you listen in today, okay? This is just for me, but I'm just going to let you listen in today. Look at this statement. Just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. Just because, Philip, you can do something doesn't mean you should. You see, that's the wrong interpretation. Here's a great help for you. You ready? Replace your and with an or. Take the and out and put an O-R in its place. So when I'm on the buffet line, instead of saying, shall I take fried chicken and steak? I turn around and say, shall I take fried chicken or steak? See that? So when I'm dealing with my kids, we sit down and say, so do you want to do soccer and dance? No, no, no. It's now, do you want to do soccer or dance? It's amazing how your life can change just really simply Just by that. Because an or can make a big difference. Oh, I've got to do more for my kids to make them happy, 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 happy. You're miserable, you're miserable, your kids are miserable. Come on now. You're stressed out, you're strained. There's no happiness. They can be in every sport and doing everything they want. And they're miserable because you're miserable. And you're doing what everyone else is doing. And God says, hold on, reevaluate. Because just because you can do it. Is it right? Remember this, to stay on the narrow path takes great focus. You've got to be intentional. 
While Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, going through her mind is the laundry, going through her mind is the groceries, going through the mind is what needs to be done, going through her mind is I should be helping my sister, going through her mind. But she stays put. You've got to make a decision to stay put. Are you with me? Just one more point. You've got to take an inventory of your life. Take an inventory of your life today. Ask yourself this. Is the urgent the most important? The urgent wants to present itself as most important, but it's not always the most important, trust me. The urgent things. People survived without you. I just want you to know that. Before you got to that job, before they were still making it without you. That We want to think that they can't make it without me. You can make it. They'll make it. You see, instead of looking to add more to your life, You need to have another list. Every day I write a list on my office, a to-do list. I I always do that. But you know what some of us need to write? We need to have a to-don't list. A a, a to-don't list. I I don't need to do that. I I, I don't need to. I can get someone else to do that. That's not what's my requirements. And again, I'm not asking you to be lazy, but I'm asking you to look at your life because you only have got one. Luke 9.25 says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world while himself destroying himself and being lost? New Living Translation says, What does it benefit you if you gain the whole world but you yourself are lost and destroyed? Here's the thought in the process. What does it gain if you have everything but lose your soul? Because you see, that's really the enemy's goal. He wants to steal your soul. Oh, but you're just talking about time and time management. Yeah, because he can't make you bad anymore, so he's making you busy. And you know the first thing that goes when you're busy? God. Your time with him, your prayer. Church now becomes a priority. It used to be, or not a priority, used to be the priority. We were always in church, but now all of a sudden we have sports on Wednesday nights. Notice that, how it's changed. Kids never used to have homework or sports on a Wednesday night. Remember that? Not too long ago. I'm talking a couple of years ago. But now, hey, no church on Wednesday, so we can have sports and we can have events and everyone goes. Sunday now is just another work week for most people. It's just another day. It's just it's forgotten. And I think it's time to change. And I, I just really want to give you six ways that you can change. Just really quickly, six ways that you can change. Michael, you can come back. That's cool. Let me give you six helps today. You ready? Number one, learn to say no again. No. Can you come to the party on Sunday? No. Sorry. We did a party on Saturday. Don't feel guilty for it. Because who's the one that's suffering? Your family and your time. Be able to say no to people. Hey, can you work overtime? Is it voluntary or is it forced? It's voluntary. No. Well, you can always need money or can always get. But you know what happens when you go after more money and you get used to having more money? Then you adjust your budget to that more money. So guess what? Then you have to work that overtime just to pay the bills. The enemy can't make you bad. He'll just make you busy, busy, busy. Oh, but I'm doing this for my family. Listen, you can't buy your family's time. You can't buy your family. On their deathbed, someone's not going to say, man, I'm glad I was able to buy that Porsche for my kids. I'm glad I was able. They're going to turn around and say, man, you know what? 
I wish my kid drove a Fiesta and I watched their ball games because I missed every ball game trying to give them that Porsche that they wanted. Second thing we need to do is we need to learn to create margin in our life. And not just to only focus on the true priorities, but just learn to breathe again and to enjoy life. So many of us, as a child of God, we're supposed to be enjoying life. We're supposed to be exemplifying life to so many people. And we're so burnt out ourselves. We're not an example to Christ because we've got no margin and we're just miserable ourselves. So third help, are you ready? You've got to start unplugging some things. Come on, you've got to start unplugging some devices and social media. Here's what I would say. Can I, can I just spill this out here for you? If you're a social media junkie, do this, and or. It's Facebook or Instagram. Get rid of the and. Get rid of the and. Come on, cut it back and cut it down. Just learn to unplug those things. Is it TV or computer? It can't be TV and computer. Look to unplug things. Here's the fourth thing. Be all there. Come on, be all there. When you're at your kid's sports game, put your cell phone down because they're looking at you when they make that shot. They're looking for you when they make that play. And here's what they see most of the time. Because I've got an urgent email that I need to send out. I've got an urgent text that I need to go. I've just got to do this because it's urgent, urgent, urgent. It may be urgent, but is it most important? Because your kid ain't playing on ESPN and there is no instant replay. You have missed that shot and you will never see it again. And I'm not telling you who, but someone in our family, if we missed a basket, that was maybe the only basket that we would ever have seen. So we needed to watch. Not looking at anyone. Molly in the house. Amen. Love you, Molly. She missed it. She was out. She didn't hear what was said. Bam, you missed it. Here's the fifth one. Are you ready? Take a Sabbath. Did you know God gave us a Sabbath as a command, not a suggestion? The Bible says that Sabbath was for man. God made that for man to give us a rest. you got to take a rest day. Some of us are looking forward to Saturday so we can just run 120 miles an hour and we're going to do 150 miles an hour on Sunday and then we're going to be ready for work on Monday. Yeah, right. Take a rest. Take a break. Perhaps one of the best things you can do with your kids one day is no one get out of their pajamas all day and you just sit around and do nothing all day. Watch Netflix, eat popcorn, play Uno, just have a great day. And no cell phones, no nothing. We're taking a break from everything. No Snapchat. Man, life would be awesome without Snapchat. And here's the last one. Prioritize God and church. I said prioritize God and church. God should never be an and or an or. God's the one. The most important. The priority. Proverbs says we train our children up in the way they should go. And when they're old, they're going to stay on that. We set that example. There's no debate in our house on Sunday no debate in our house and I'm so thankful our kids are so easy to wake up on a Sunday it's not so easy for school but our kids are easy to wake up on Sundays and I love the fact that every one of my children well all but one today are going to be serving in this house I love that I love that and all of my kids will be back serving in the house because we've modeled that and we're going to see that so let me close today I've gone over do you forgive me I've gone over 
busyness will remain the standard for many people for years to come. That you're called to a different standard. You and I are called to a different standard. It doesn't make us better than everyone else. But it makes us pleasing to God. And we've got to have a way of prioritizing our time because normal doesn't work. So today, are you a Martha? Or are you a Mary? And I'm not just talking about with your time. I'm also talking about with your worship. The giving of your life. Have you given your life to Christ? Are you giving your life to Him? Or are you being distracted by the world and pulled by its... Come on, its distractions and its things. Would you stand all over this place today? to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.